This is just wonderful. I leave my house one time in the last, I don't even know how long, and now, and there's some sort of, like, neighborhood home invasion. Basically, when you hire a school teacher, you don't want them to seem at all molestery. 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 Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage under the flypath at Los Angeles International Airport. <sighs> Recording, uh, you know, as I do, from a box that my cousins built in my garage. Since November of 2004, I have been, uh, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, how have you been? I, I was trying, did, did you sense that I was trying? I was trying the, to believe in the, uh, you know, the benefits of positive uh, thinking. I was trying to think positive because a lot of times what I do is I, I start the show and I start immediately putting down this program. And I've decided not to do that. And I'll tell you why. Because I was listening to somebody else's podcast, a famous to semi-famous comedian and his famous to semi-famous comedian partner. And they kept talking about how bad the show was. To the point where uh, they convinced me. And then as soon as they stopped talking about bad, how bad the show was and then just started kind of doing the show, it was hilarious. So I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I figure after almost nine years, I should learn something about the process of positive podcasting. Oh my God, I was looking on Facebook the other night. I, I guess it was last night. Here's a tangent already. What are we, 30 seconds into the show and I'm already on a tangent. It's okay. We'll, we'll get back. We'll, we'll get back to my plan. But the tangent goes like this. Uh, so I'm on Facebook and uh, someone, uh, you know, included me in some podcasting group on Facebook. So I was checking it out and these people were saying, hey, you know, um, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Should I hire a VA to do my show notes or my something or something? And And then all these people kept, Responding to that, saying, oh, yeah, I hired a VA and it only cost me 30 bucks a show and they do my show notes and they do some uh, light editing or they do compression or whatever, whatever. And, oh, well, I hired a VA and it doesn't cost me uh, more than 10 bucks because, but, you know, they're in Florida. But if you get one from India and I'm like, what is a VA? Quest two questions, actually. What, number one, what is a VA? And number two, how is it that you have $30 a show to hire someone to do your show notes? What am I, what am I doing that's wrong here? That I don't, I don't have 30 bucks a show to have some VA. It turns out VA, by the way, stands for, and you already know this. You already know this, and I'm way behind. Virtual assistant, I guess? Now, to me, a virtual assistant is not a real person, right? Doesn't vir Does VA stand for something else? That was my guess, virtual assistant. But to me, a virtual assistant is a not a human. It's a cyborg or some sort of digital amalgam of information that poses as a human being. And that, like Siri is a VA. You know, Siri on the Mac OS, that's a VA. You're talking about... Uh, I don't know what, a remote assistant? Or an assistant? You're outsourcing your show notes for 30 bucks a show? What are you doing that I'm not doing? Should I, should I have started doing a podcast about Breaking Bad or something five years ago and people could download it? And then I could be running ads for Audible? Probably. But I'm not, and that's why I don't. Uh, not only do I not have $30 for show notes, I don't need $30 for show notes because the show, by the time I do sh show notes, you know, like the little blog post that goes with it, I'm worn out. And who has that kind of time to do that? Is that what a, I assume that's what a VA is. I'm very impressed that you have $30. I'm rubbing my eyes. So, um, what I really wanted to talk about was is actually many things, and I have a list. Although it's already getting hot in here, isn't it? So I'm going to tell you a couple of, um, you know, stories, I guess, and apparently these are all true. Now, 
Before I do that, though, I do want to say this. So my our, our friend, we have these friends that um, live in a much nicer neighborhood than we do. Now, you know, I'm OK, I'm, I'm under the fly path, literally. Under the fly path at Los Angeles International Airport, which as you may or may not know, is on the it's on the West Coast, like literally on the, I mean, you know California is on the West Coast of the United States. But what I mean, literally, Los Angeles International, LAX, the airport, is, at, is on the beach. So we, even though we don't live in that great a neighborhood, trust me, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not that great. Uh, we live in that part of town and so it's not a you know it's a hop skip and a jump to some really nice er neighborhoods you understand what i'm saying million two million 17 million name your price just right you can basically however much money you want to spend on house i'm pretty sure we could hook you up so my, my point is so we have these friends um because eventually you're going to make friends that are not um you know uh you know, they have real jobs. They have real jobs in real kind of positions that make money. You know what I'm saying? So our friend, you know, and her husband, they have a slightly higher income bracket, let's just say. And so they live in a nicer neighborhood in a much larger house, two-story, big staircase and vaulted ceilings. And it's, you know, they just put a pool. It's very nice. And their whole neighborhood is kind of like that, as you can imagine. It's right near these tennis courts and this big park and this big right nice town so apparently in their town now i thought this was just a thing in our part of town and when i say town these are all parts of los angeles but in la quote unquote la there are all these towns and they live in a different town now in our town there's uh, uh burglaries there's burglaries and robberies and there's you know, we get those emails, right, from our, uh, what do you call it, our team captain or neighborhood captain, team watch captain, Delta Force A1. I don't know, whatever whatever title, whatever semi-impressive title they give to one of the housewives in the area that's really involved in the neighborhood watch. It's our, t- our something, cap- block captain. Is that it, block? Block, cap- block captain. Yeah, that sounds right. So every once in a while, I will get um, an email from our block captain. And what she'll do is she'll forward to me, well, not to me, to the whole neighborhood. I don't even remember how she got me. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, Debbie gave it to her. Um, you know, uh, uh, emails from the cops. And so the one I got recently said, well, blah, blah, there's still, you know, there's always crime in the area. And here's a list of the crimes. And it had all these acronyms. It was kind of like VA. It was right back to the VA thing. Except this was like GTA, GL. Be, I don't think there was breaking and entering. That would probably, what would breaking and entering being? What, what would that be? Would it be BN? You know, like to make it kind of cute, BNE, <laughs> breaking and mm, entering? Or would it be BAE? Would they just do BE? I don't know. So I stood there in my backyard waiting for the dog to urinate for probably five, ten minutes trying to figure out what GLA, or no, what was it? G, GTA, GTA. And some other thing. Well, GTA is Grand Theft Auto. So there's, and I, I forget what they all were, but basically, so there's, they're stealing cars. Then they're stealing things out of cars. And then there's robbing you. And then there's breaking, there's burg, because isn't, isn't that the difference? If we're going to nitpick, I think the difference between burglary and robbery is your presence. Right. If you're there, you're being robbed. If you're not there, you're being burgled. Is that true? Well, apparently in our friend's neighborhood, everybody's getting burgled. And the burglers, the burglar, burglars, is that, how do we say that now? Burglars? You can't think about a word too much or it just ruins everything. Well, apparently the burglars in the neighborhood, they've gotten very savvy and sassy now, everybody, as you can imagine, has an alarm system. A lot of them uh, have big dogs. They have safes, right? These are people with things to protect. They have stocks and bonds. They have jewelry and heirlooms, and they have uh, portfolios of all sorts of uh, investments. They have prop, right? They have stuff. 
So what I guess what the what the the thing and I shouldn't be I'm I'm not telling you this for educational purposes so you can go burgle. But this is to protect you because this could be happening in your neighborhood. The burglars they show up in pairs. They rent first of all they rent a car. Now in this part of town, obviously near the airport, very easy to do. So they go up they go up near here, they rent a car, then they drive it down to the fancy neighborhood. And then they figure, well listen, in the fancy neighborhood Odds are good. Now, this is going to sound a little sexist at first, but bear with me. This is just statistically speaking the way it goes. You know me, stay-at-home dad, okay? Bucking the system, fighting the man, raising the kids, wiping the poop, okay? So you know where I'm coming from. Don't take this the wrong way. But it, but in these fancy neighborhoods, easy to assume the guy is at work, at, right? He leaves at 8 o'clock or whatever, 8.30. He's got his pressed shirt on and a nice tie. Maybe a suit jacket hanging in the back of his BMW, and he goes to work. And then the mom drives the kids to school, and then goes to Pilates, and then maybe meets some friends for lunch, and then she probably picks the kids back up again around three, and then she comes home. So the burglars, they know that from eight to three, it's spree time, basically, right? It's basically spree time because in, unless you're trying to rob a Pilates studio, you're set. So they rent a car. They drive to the nice neighborhood. They knock on doors just to make sure. One of them stays in the car with a police scanner. The other one, just B&E, man, break and enter. That's it, right? Because they know it's going to take the cops a certain amount of time to get there. Now, if there's a dog, not a problem. You bring some meat, just like in the movies. So they've got some meat or some dog food or whatever. They give that to the dog. No dog can resist dog food. I don't know what these trainers are training dogs. The first thing they should train a dog in training school is not to sit, stay, bark, all that crap. It's to do not eat dog food that is brought to you by someone you've never smelled before. If a guy comes into the house with a mask on, and you've never smelled them before, and the first thing they do, they don't even say hello, they just start feeding you, don't eat the food, Fido. Bite. That's the guy to bite. Bite that guy. <coughs> I'm choking. I'm choking on my own excitement. So they're going... <coughs> they go in the house. They go in the house, they feed the dog, they know they've got five minutes, they got a partner outside with a walkie-talkie or a police scanner or whatever, listening for the cops. They go in, they steal as much shit as they, excuse my language, as they can carry. And if they have time, they have their partner go in and they just pick up the safe and walk out with it. You don't try to crack a safe. A safe only weighs a couple hundred pounds. If you got two people, no problem. Just pick it up, walk out. Well, apparently this is just this has been happening over and over and over all over this whole these neighborhoods, which is just insane. See, because I thought we used to get crime. We used to get crime, but that was. I don't know, it seems like it was a, a while ago. You know, I told you before, right, there, there may or may not have been a meth lab up the street in one direction or a distribution syndicate in the other direction in our nice little, you know, 1950s-looking neighborhood. But we still get the grand theft autos and all that stuff, but we don't have, like, an organized system of safe burglaries. We just don't. But we are careful. We always park, you know, park both cars on the driveway. We don't park them in the street. We have a light on here. We got motion detectors there and there and the lights and everything, and we have an alarm. And we don't rely on the dog for any, you know what I mean? And whatever. So, the story I was going to tell you is this. So then, um, a couple of weeks ago, it was maybe a month ago by now. It could be two, it could be six months. I have no idea. Listen, I can't remember anything anymore. Leave me alone. Let's pretend it was a month ago. So about a month ago. Um. My son, oh, that's right. My son had a sleepover. And then the next day, one of the other dads, one of his buddy's dads was going to take all the guys to, uh, what do you call it? You know, like, uh, 
you know, Six Flags, Splash Mountain or whatever, wherever wherever they go, whatever the water park is that maybe is Six Flags that's kind of near here, but not really. It's about an hour away. What What is that? Grand Rapid, Grand Adventure, Big Adventure, Six Flags, something, something, water park. They went to, a, hi, they went to a water park. Let's not get bogged down in the details, shall we? So uh, one Sunday... I don't know. Was some no? It actually wasn't that. It was, I'm getting all confused. And, and really, honestly, the details. Well, no, the details do matter. So here was the plan. That's right. Now I remember. It has nothing to do with a sleepover. That's why I'm so confused. Okay. The plan was one of my sons. Gee, what an idiot. Um, one of my son's friends moved to the other side of town, to the valley. Okay, which is over a hill. It's kind of, you know, it's maybe. 17 miles away, but psychologically and and distance in a car around the hills wise, it's far. And he invited everybody over. All his friends that used to live around here. So the plan was, and I don't remember how this happened, but it just did. And I was fine with it. Everybody from this area met at our house. And then someone drove them over to the valley to hang out with the friend. And then uh, someone else, and then maybe the friend's mom was going to drive them back or one of the other moms or somebody. Somebody was on the return end, okay? And again, meeting at my house. So I've got it in my head. Well, listen, if if Hudson's not going to be around and my daughter and my wife were going to be doing something, I forget. I was going to, because I've had it in my head, for years and years, and I can't get over it, and it's just the thing that's eventually going to kill me, that I wanted to do stand-up again. So I decide that I'm going to research it. I'm going to find out what uh, shows could I go to, like open mic type things, you know, where I could get there late enough where I could still have my normal life and feed the family and do whatever I normally do and then get to this thing uh, then, right? So that's going to necessitate some Sunday action. So I decide I'm going to go to this place called the Cock and Bull or something like that in Santa Monica. Some British pub that I'd been to years ago. Uh, My friend Arthur Montmorency uh, had a show there that he did for, uh, I don't even remember how long. And it was a place that, that had a lot of memory for me. So honestly, I was a little worried about going. I forgot about this and I didn't even realize this was going to be a part of the story. But uh, like that was the, the basically we had this friend and he was going through a tough time and apparently he was more depressed than we thought, but he was on meds and he was a comedian and he moved away. And then he went off his meds because he thought he was feeling so great and he uh, took his life. And I remember being at the cock and bull when my other friend called me and said, yeah, Richie, you know, whatever. And then my friend Arthur, who ran that show, he also died very young of uh, complications from, I think, a, a car crash that he'd been into when he was a, been in when he was a teenager. And he just it just they just could never get him together. You know, he had a lot of problems with his body and they kept operating, whatever, whatever. And it, it just, you know, whatever. OK. So you and I, I didn't mean to bring you down with that, but that but that's going into this place. I was just like, ah, I think I'm excited about doing stand up. I'm going to go check out this show that I might be able to go to. And oh, my God. And Arthur and Richie and uh, 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 and I'm old and everyone's dying. And why am I doing this? This is for young people. But I needed to do it. I needed to get out. I needed to clear my head. I needed to be away from the house away from the responsibilities, away from, right? So I drive over to the Cock and Bull. I have a little trouble finding it because I haven't been there in 20 years. And when I used to go there, back in the Arthur days, I would come from the north. And and for some reason, that's just how I always pictured it, and that's where I could find it. And now I'm approaching from the south, and it, just, it took me a while. So I find the place. I go in. I'm hanging out. The show's about to start. I order a Guinness. 
So yeah, you know, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to order a Guinness. I'm going to have a little Guinness. I'm going to check out the show. And then, you know, I'll kind of, because I need, you know, I need a week of just, okay, now I know what it looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll come next week with my little notebook and maybe I'll do a little stand-up. So I'm sitting there and I'm writing notes in my notebook because that's always, that's always a good thing. Like, this is a place for comedy. So I can sit before the show and I'm going to write comedy in my comedy notebook. And that's just the way my brain works. My brain needs to, like, be out of the house. And in that, right, this is a comedy dojo. So in the comedy dojo, do comedy. Dumb, dumb. So I'm writing in my notebook. And uh, no, and then the show begins. And some people go on. Uh, you know, the MC and or and whatever. And it's a comedy show. It's an open mic. It is what, you know, it is what it is. The cock and bull. I remember doing this, whatever. My phone rings. Now, obviously, we, we all live in modern times. When your phone rings, you look to see who it is. I have to because I'm married. I have kids. And so I assume it's my wife, Melissa, telling me something or asking me something or whatever. Because that happens every time I leave the house. Every time I leave the house, my wife has to call me to ask me something. It's not a big deal, but I'm leaving the house to leave the house. And she uh, has questions. So I look at my phone and it's not my wife. It's a number that I don't recognize from somewhere in Colorado. So I, I, it must have been because of the Guinness and I was feeling kind of good and happy to be out. I was like, you know what? It's a Sunday. It's got to be 8 o'clock or 8.15, 9 o'clock at night. What time is it that I'm getting this random call? You know what? I'm a little bored waiting here. I'm going to take this call. And if it's a telemarketer or wrong number, I'm just going to mess with her head a little bit because I'm bored. And then I'll get back to watching the show and um, thinking about going up sometime soon. So I answer the phone. And it's my next door neighbor whose name is either Gay or Gail. No one ever can come to a consensus on what her name is. It's probably one of them, but they always call her the other. Bees. Uh, Jean's a daughter. You know Jean that used to live next door? Jean used to live next door and he passed away also everyone's passing away because that's what apparently what happens you give it give a human enough time and they just you know whatever well he died of being super old and and running his course so his daughter calls me and again this is a sunday night at like nine something or whatever I'm at the cock and bull, having a Guinness, watching some comedy. I thought I was going to mess with a telemarketer or some sort of drunken teenager that's misdialing, which shouldn't really be happening in this day and age. You'd be surprised. And, but it's her. And she's like, Dan, um, uh, Daniela from next door just called me. Now, this is next door, meaning next door to her. So it goes us and then her, Gail, gay, Gail, gay. Gail Gay. And then next to her is uh, Daniela. And that's just, I, I couldn't think of another name. So she says, Daniela just called me from next door. She said that five young men just pulled up outside of your house and are walking up your driveway. Is everything okay? And she's panicked. And I think this is just wonderful. I leave my house one time in the last, I don't even know how long, and now, and there's some sort of, like, neighborhood home invasion. So she says, yeah, all these cars pulled up, and apparently some of them are pointing the wrong direction, and there are these young men walking up your driveway. So in a panic, I was like, well, okay, well, let me hang up, because I'm not home. She's like, you're not home? And I'm like, no, I'm not home, but let me call Melissa. Melissa's at home. I'm sure everything's fine, but let me just call, because now I got a call. So let me hang up, because I'm not even home. You're not home? No. I said that, and now I've got to hang up. So I hang up and I call my wife. And as I'm calling my wife, I realize, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Dude, this is not a home invasion. This is Hudson returning from the valley. Right? It's after dark and I get it. But this is Hudson returning from the valley. It's got to be Hudson. But I call my wife and she does not pick up the phone. Now, I figure whether if it's Hudson returning and all his friends and they're going to be there, whatever, it's not a big deal. She would just answer the phone like, hi, how you doing? And I could say they called and, blah, blah, and I'm still at the cock and bull. And are you being invaded? And she'll say no. And that'll be fine. And we'll have a big laugh. But she doesn't pick up her phone, which is a little out of the ordinary because 
it is. But then also not so much because honestly, you know, listen, married people, you know how this goes. When they call you, you damn well better pick up the phone. When you call them, uh, yeah, I left my phone in the other room. So I figure, well, you know what? I'll leave a message. No, I didn't. I don't think I even left a message. I didn't waste that much time. Actually, uh, I called Hudson, my son, and he didn't pick up the phone. And I'm like, Hudson, what the hell? Call me. And I hang up. Then I call the house phone and no one picks up the house phone. Now, no one ever picks up the house phone. I get it. But no one picks up the house phone. So I say into the message so they'll hear me. Attention, family. It is it is dad. Could one of you please come to the phone? Because I don't know what's going on. And Gail, gay, Gail, gay, says that there's a home invasion. So could you mind, if you mind, could you please, please, please call a brother back? What do you say? So then I start the routine again and I call Melissa, my wife. So I call Melissa, my wife, and she picks up the phone. And she says, hello. And she sounds very normal. And I say, hello, honey, are you being robbed right now? Are you being burgled? Has there been breaking and entering of any kind? And she says, no. I said, Hudson's home, right? And she said, yeah. And I think, oh, okay, good. Okay, well, listen. <sighs> okay, good. I almost had a minor infarction of my hereditary uh, apparatus. But listen, Gay Gail called, Gail Gay, she said, Daniela called, she said there were a bunch of guys walking up the driveway. Uh, it was probably Hudson and Donnie, right? Yeah, 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 okay, don't worry. So we hang up. Crisis averted. And I, I get, listen, we're all on edge, I get it, right? We're all, Grand Theft Auto and breaking and entering and robbery and all that, and I get it. I do. But the neighbors do have to get kind of hip to the fact that my son, little tiny Hudson, who moved in when he was 18 months old, is now 14. And he's 5'8 and a half. And his friends are teenagers, and they all look like young men because that's what they are. So I hang up the phone, and I'm relieved, and I'm still at the cock and bull, as it turns out. I'm at the cock and bull, and I'm finishing up my Guinness. And... I get a text vibration on my leg and I pull out my phone and it's a text from my wife and she says, there were just six police cars outside of our house. So I write her back and go, what the what? And she says, yes, there were six squad cars. So it turns out, okay, so Gay Gail, Gail Gay, calls me about these, right, about Daniela's paranoid deduction while she's walking her dogs and sees unidentified young men walking up the driveway. Okay, I tell her I'm not home. She tells Daniela I'm not home. Daniela calls the cops because I'm not home. So the cops come, and as you can imagine, the people, right, they ring the bell. They literally, I mean, it's like in the movies, they're, the cars are parked at different angles. The doors are open. Cops are like, ready, ready, ready. My 10-year-old daughter is freaking out. My son and his buddy, Donnie, they are in the back of the house. They don't even know what's going on. They're playing Subway Surfer. I don't know what the hell they're doing. So my wife is standing at the door with the 40-some-odd, 50-some-odd-year-old moms of two of his friends and his teenage female friend, Gracie. And like, can we help you, officer? Yeah, we heard... <laughs> You were being, you know, that there were some suspicious, yeah, uh-huh, it's the former, yeah, it's the robotics team from the middle school is invading our home. You've got to be kidding. But that, but that's rapid response, my friend. And the worst part about the whole thing, honestly, is I missed the whole thing. I'm at the cock and bull. I'm watching some comedy. 
something I could have done any Sunday night of the year. I miss the, you know, the SWAT team descending on our home. I know, I know, I know. We're just, I know, we're looking out for each other and that's fine and I get it and that's fine. And I get it. And then, and that's fine. So, um, what else can I tell you? So, very quickly, so my, my son started high school, as you know. Uh, he's going to a private school in Santa Monica. It's called Wild Winds. And uh, they recently had the parent meeting of some sort of new, oh, new that, that, that's what it was. It was a new parent meeting. Excuse me. They had a new parent meeting. And then tonight, Melissa's going to the open house or back to school night or whatever they call it. And uh, back to school night because open house is later. So back to school night. And then I think I'm supposed to go to a new parent technology meeting. It's, it's always, trust me, there's always a meeting or something. So, so last week, Last week we arranged so our friends would drive Tulu to dance, and then I would go up to school and go to this meeting, and then Hudson would wait for me to get out of the meeting, and then I would drive him home. And that was a big thing because he didn't want to be at school until after the meeting because he's done with school and let me out of school because I'm a teenager and I'm I want to do what I want to do. And you know how these you know how these meetings go. Uh, I I'm sure. All schools are the same. I'm sure there's always some awesome parent that you know you got to keep an eye on or whatever. Like, I remember so, I mean, we still joke about it. When Hudson was in first grade, he's now in ninth grade. So that's how long ago this was. And I think it was even in the early days of the podcast that I talked about this. We're having one of these meetings. and it, but, but in first grade, you know, everything is just so much more touchy-feely. And Hudson had this great teacher who would leave... After I think I think even after that year, she went to be the head of school somewhere else. Really together lady, really liked her. So she's running this meeting and she said, oh, and by the way, we're doing this thing. It's going to be so much fun. We did it last year. The kids love it. It's called Fresh Fruit Fridays. And so if you could on Fridays, send your kid to school with some piece of fresh fruit. Doesn't really matter. Apples, bananas, pears, whatever. It's up to you. You want to get crazy with it. Go for it. But fresh fruit um, Fridays, and then we talk about the fruits and where they come from and the shape and the color. We do, you know, it's a whole thing. And one of the moms, I don't think she even raised her hand, although she she might have raised her hand. And, and this is what happens when your kids go to school with, you know, movie executives or whatever, whatever, what, what are you? I don't know. She may or may not have raised her hand. That's irrelevant because what came out of her mouth was so awesome. I remember it to this day. Word for word, she said, excuse me, I have a question about Fresh Fruit Friday. Could we, could we have it on Monday? And the teacher said, pardon me? And she said, do you mind if we do Fresh Fruit Friday on Monday? Because I do my shopping on Sunday. And I don't think the, the fruit would be that fresh on Friday. So could we, have, could we all change it to Fresh Fruit Monday? And the teacher said, but it's fresh fruit. Is there something about the, it was, but no, it's fresh fruit Friday. Like, oh, God, I don't, you sure we can't, ch-? right, literally five minutes trying to get Mrs. What's-Her-Face to change fresh fruit Friday to fresh fruit Monday because for her, mm, you know what, not so much working out. And I think it was the year before that that one of the moms, and listen, she's a lovely mom. She looks like Alicia Keys, so I, I do cut her some slack. But she actually raised her hand and said, you know, my daughter, you know, because you guys have us give the kids a snack and lunch. But I, I, I need to know what time you're giving snack and giving lunch because my daughter is eating her snack and it's just too much food. And then, but then she eats it. And then at lunch... She's not hungry, and so I'm not sure what to do. What should I do about that? And I'm sitting there thinking, you could figure out how to become pregnant, deliver a child, and afford this school, and you can't figure out how to navigate the treacherous water that is balancing the snack-lunch ratio. I got an idea. Give her a smaller snack. And I bet she'll eat more of her lunch. 
smaller. Really? How has that kid not died yet? How did you, with that kind of massive brain power, raise the child to be five or six or whatever age we're dealing with right now with that kind of complete inability? Well, God, I don't know. Am I supposed to breastfeed every day? Every other day? How I can't... The child... Uh, 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 uh. So, I'm at Wildwoods. Uh, wild Winds, excuse me. I'm at Wild Winds and I'm at the new parent meeting and it's going wonderfully and everybody's asking very logical questions and the question I had was about this thing that they're doing, whatever, and somebody else asked it and I was so happy. And really, honestly, it was it was definitely a bunch of much more seasoned, you know, it's so nice to actually be with like people whose youngest kid that they're concerned about in that moment is in middle school. Because Wild Winds has a middle school and a high school. So... The head of the school, the head of the middle and high school, and then the assistant head of the high school, they're all there. They're fielding questions. They're doing great. Everybody's getting their questions answered. It's all going well. And then, so we're getting, it's clearly kind of petering out. And one of the dads, and I, I really wish I could have seen him better. He was, he was, because I was sitting on the left side on the edge. And he was sitting way on the right side on the edge in the perfect position where I just could not see his face. I could see his hair. It was with white, salt and pepper, white hair. I don't know. I guess we're that old. All the parents looked so old to me. We're all grandparents by now. So I never saw the guy's face. But he, So he raises his hand and he, has, he says, yes, I have a question about the drug and alcohol policy. And so one of the guys, one of the three guys running the meeting says, well, we have a very strict, clear, no strikes policy here at the school. And this dad, Salty Pepper, says, what do you mean? And they, and it's funny because one of the guys, he has this little smile that he does, and I think it's the smile that he does when he knows you're asking a stupid question and he's just trying to be like, that's the smile that in his head he's going, <laughs> dumb shit. You know what I mean? Like the smile is like, uh, and then he's like, I'm smiling. I gotta let the like Tourette's pass and then I can answer your question. So he kind of smiles and like, well, zero tolerance means that if a child is caught on campus with drugs or alcohol or under the influence of uh, drugs or alcohol, then they are immediately expelled. And the father says, so what do you mean expelled? And they say they're expelled. They're, ex they're no longer eligible to be students here at Wild Winds. And he says, well, do they get a second chance? And the teachers say, uh, smile, two, three, four. No, um, actually, they don't. That's why we call it a zero tolerance policy. And the guy says, well, can they appeal? And I'm thinking to myself, is there something that you just want to tell us right now, dude? Seriously, why are we beating around the bush? Why? Why are you dragging us through this? Just stand up and say, hi, my name is Salty Pepper. My son is a, what, the new dealer. So they ask, so he finally is, uh, is appeased. And they say, well, are there any more questions? And it's all I can do to stop myself from raising my hand and going, yeah, what's that dude's kid's name? Because I want to write it down. That really, I, I, trust me, I, I don't make this, it's just, well, can they appeal? Yeah, yeah, they can appeal the zero, do you understand? Get your kid help. AA, there's, there's teen AA, I'm sure there is. Teen Al-Anon, isn't that what it's called? Get him in. So I have no idea how long we've been, uh-oh. Oh, good. For a second there, I thought we'd stopped. Hold on. There we go. I, yeah, I thought I, oh, I thought we'd stopped. Okay, so we haven't been talking as long as I thought. So, boy, the dog is in there barking up a storm. So at the end of the school year, I mean, this was a while back. I guess I'm catching up. And I, I think we talked a, a little bit about the beginning of this. Maybe we talked about the whole thing. I don't know. 
Did we talk about this at all? No. My daughter uh, got another commercial job. And I think I talked. we talked a little bit about this because I had some kind of nervous breakdown, some sort of emotional upheaval the night of her wardrobe fittings. Just some, some weird combination of the stress of being at the meeting and it, or the wardrobe fitting and it just took so long and then we had to race back to get Hudson and I just it was a bad night. It was weird and weird. So a couple of days after that was the actual job. And the actual job was apparently there aren't that many uh, Dairy Queens. It was for Dairy Queen. And it, there aren't that many Dairy, Dairy Queens around here. There are apparently none in Los Angeles or no freestanding ones in Los Angeles proper. So we had to drive out to, um, it wasn't even on, they kept saying it was Ontario. But it, it actually wasn't on, Ontario. It was in a town called Fontana. Now, um, I, you know, whenever I talk about my past, I, it, it, people almost always come away with the fact that I grew up in New York State. I grew up in upstate New York. But what, because I just said this to somebody else the other day, and they're like, oh, I thought you were from New York. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I kind of seem, I, I feel like I'm from New York. But I was born in California. I was born in Fontana, in San Bernardino, which is the city, and then Fontana is right outside of it. But that's where we lived. We lived in Fontana. And so uh, I didn't have time to look it up before we went out there. And I knew I'd have plenty of time to look it up once we got there. So we have to drive to Fontana, which is, uh, you know, I don't know, an hour away in ideal circumstances. I think it's 65 or 70 miles straight just east of where we live. But we have to be there in the morning because it's a daytime thing. It's Dairy Queen, right? So it's going to be daytime. So we have to get there at probably 7, I think it was, in the morning. So holy crap, what time of day do you leave the coast to get to Ontario with a 10-year-old who's prone to car sickness for a dairy... Right, what, what, what. Nail-biter of a trip. Nail, nail-biter. Of course, because it, it's me and my daughter. We left later than I expected. I'm stressing out the whole way. We're trying to listen to this kind of hipster, cool, mellow music. This Laura Mvula. Which maybe under normal circumstances, Laura Mvula is really awesome to listen to. But there was just... This, her music is a little... I, I don't even know how to describe it. But it, when you're on edge, it's a little repetitive. And it makes you want to strangle Lauren Mvula. Laura Mvula. I mean, it's really just ethereal and sing-songy, and it was just it was getting too much. And I'm like, are we going to get there? Because I can't. I don't want to be late. I can't be late. I can't be late. I can't be late. So we we're driving and driving and driving. And I haven't been out to Fontana. I think I think my wife and I drove out to Fontana on a lark on my birthday, when I turned thirty or something. Just uh, like, you know, we didn't have kids and we're like, what are we going to do? Hey, you know what? Just just for giggles, let's drive out. I, I'll show you where my grandparents lived. I'll show you where we lived. We lived almost across the street from my grandparents when I was first born, like diagonally across a corner and then down one house. That was it. I mean, it was tight. So we're driving and driving and we get there. And it's a really uh, downscale part of town. And I'm sure the people that live there like it just fine. But but I recognized it. I, f I could feel it. That kind of recognition. There's visual recognition, but there's also just sort of some sort of non-visual, just completely all sensory sort of recognition of a general area, right? And I had that. We get out of the car and I'm like, wow, this is where I lived when I was born. And this is where my grandparents lived until they died. I wonder how far we are from there because I can feel like a homing pigeon. 
that we are really close. But because I had romanticized my childhood, as I'm sure many of us do, I had forgotten that it's just a real, it's really kind of just dirt out there. It's dirt and some bushes. Like my grandparents used to get tumbleweed in their backyard, in their front yard, and it's not surprising kind of looking around. It just, you know, there's railroad, there's just rails everywhere. It's just, it's a place that trains go through. And maybe there are train yards. I don't know. I just feel like whenever we're there, just trains and not passenger trains, freight trains. You just, you expect to hear Johnny Cash and that's it. Just freight trains. So we show up and we're, we're on time. We're fine. We're fine. And we, you know, we see the girl that's going to play my daughter's sister and her mom and we see the lady that's the main actress in the spot who plays the mom. And, you know, there's always like an AD, an assistant director that kind of ushers you around. And then because there's kids involved, there's a school teacher. And listen, the guy was perfectly harmless in retrospect. But I will say this. If I were hiring a school teacher, and I, did, I have done that, when I worked at Universal, that was one of my things that I would frequently have to do is hire a school teacher and we had a list of school teachers and they were all guys and gals that were recommended to us from by other shows and I hope none of them seem like this guy because you don't basically when you hire a school teacher you don't want them to seem at all molestery but this guy just seemed a little just molest not molest but you, you know like you don't when Tulu did the uh, Honda commercial, she had two different teachers, and they were both women, like upbeat women, upbeat young teacher women. This guy was like a surly teamster who, for whatever reason, was just like, I'm sick of driving a semi. I'm going to get my teaching certificate, and I'm going to be an on-set teacher to a little girl. I mean, it just there was something. Listen, dude, I apologize. I'm sure you're lovely, but it, but you gotta, I, I don't know if it's the trucker cap and the dirty, I don't know what it is, man, but the present for me, like a tight ass guy from who, right. I just, there's something about it. that's not working. So I'm like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to hang out with you guys while you do the school work. And maybe he lives in Fontana. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's what we're dealing with is the Fontana teacher is the tr trucker cap. So my daughter goes, she does the commercial. The director never makes any attempt whatsoever to say hi to me, say hi to the other mom, to get to know us in any way. I don't know that she really talked much to our daughters. I mean, she gave them a little direction, but she just was sort of like, I don't know if this was the end of a long week of shooting with people closer to her own age. It was just weird. It really made me appreciate the other shoot that much more. If I were working with kids, I would, you know, meet them, meet the parents, talk to the kids, make sure everybody was kosher, Dilio, right? So I have no idea if the director was getting what she wanted, didn't get what she wanted. I know, I, we couldn't, we were sequestered off. At one point, they almost put me in the kitchen of the Dairy Queen. Just like, listen, you're the dad. Just, we, we need you to be away. So how about in here? No, how about not in the kitchen? How about, there is a dining room with booths. You're not shooting in the dining room. How about I sit out in the dining room as the legal guardian of one third of your cast? Well, they just did it and did it and did it. And there's so much high-tech stuff now. It's so surreal. And, you know, on a on a set where, the, there, where you're shooting something, there's about 100 people that work on the set. And they all have such specialized jobs. Like one guy, his job is to focus the camera. Not to move it, not to decide where it goes, not to light, nothing. He, he's the focus guy. And because it's all done wirelessly now, he just has his own little area Way off, way away from the camera. It's all, I don't know if it's Bluetooth or what. I don't know what's going on. But he just has a monitor and a little knob to pull focus. The sound crew. Nowhere near the set. They're, all, they're in the dining room with me. The boom operator. 
Uh, no, really never worked. The bo- she, it was amazing. It was all just everything is remote now. It was the craziest thing. Really weird thing. I think the sound lady, sound girl, is. can I say sound girl, was the same sound girl as when I did a Sprite commercial in 1998 or 99. Because uh, there, there are only so many women on a set. Especially that long ago, twenty almost twenty years ago, right? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago, there are only so many women on a set, and typically the women, uh, especially then, were you know makeup, hair. Um, but then of course you'll get a female everything, but mostly hair, makeup, wardrobe, and then and you know a couple set people or whatever, and so it it it, it is obvious. It is um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but it stands out when there's a hot Norwegian-looking, thin, blonde chick who kind of looks like she could model holding a boom pole for three days on a Sprite commercial shoot. Two days, right? You understand? You understand how most crew members don't look like they could then just, like, uh, model, okay? So I think it was the same kind of Norwegian-looking model-esque audio chick on my daughter's Dairy Queen shoot. Weird. Anyway, it's a small business. So, so I'm basically just sitting around chit-chatting with the daughter, the mother of the other daughter character all day and just, you know, whatever. I saw my daughter, my daughter every once in a while. She, of course, is a pig in slop because they feed her Dairy Queen smoothies all day long. See, in the shot, her character has just gotten a smoothie. A Dairy Queen, Orange Julius, whatever the hell they're selling, a Dairy Queen smoothie. And then she drinks it. And so that means every take, she has to be handed a fresh smoothie. So between every take, they have the smoothie wrangler come in with a big bucket of fresh smoothie and top her off. To say my little, what what is she, four feet tall? My little blonde daughter was just wired to the gills with smoothie, all all just like, I think she did a good job. We haven't seen, the commercial still isn't on. Like I say, this is back in May. Melissa called the agency or she called somebody and they said, oh yeah, well that's for a promotion that they're, they're holding now till the end of the year. So I guess it'll be on closer to the holidays. I don't know. But she did say, so I did, well, honey, did how to go with the director? I really didn't, you know, I couldn't really see you guys when you were talking to each other. How did it go? And she's like, oh, it went okay. But she kept trying to get me to do it a different way than I did it in the audition. <laughs> she kept, you know, in the audition, I was really energetic. And then today she kept trying to get me to mellow out. And I, was, and I, and I didn't, <laughs> like, honey, the audition's over. You're now on the set. Why? See, I could have. <laughs> if right, if the if the director had been, ha- please tell me she got what she wanted and she wasn't having trouble with my daughter. I could have helped in like a second, like a split second of Taya talking to my daughter and being treated like an ally on the set. I could have probably saved you an hour and a half of shooting. But I'd looked up on a map. By this point, obviously, because I had plenty of time and I have a phone and it's 2013. I looked up on a map where my grandparents lived and where we lived, catty corner to them. And without exaggeration, it was, uh, I think, a half a mile away. Not even. It was literally one block, one big block that way and and one block this way. And... You know, it was a it was a small tight shoot, so we were done and it was still light out. It was spring. So I said to my daughter, "Hey, baby, do you want to go see where my grandparents lived, and where I lived when I was a baby?" And she said, "Yeah," because my wife had just done this with her mother in New Jersey. My wife went to the east, or maybe she was in the east. I forget, but my wife took my mother in law to see the house that my mother-in-law grew up in in New Jersey. And my wife literally 
because this is my tenacious wife. She went up to the door. She knocks on the door. She explains to the lady that lives there now what's going on. She brings my mother-in-law in the house. They sit and have a cup of tea. They chit-chat about the old name. I seriously, nuts. So I explained to my daughter, now listen, we're not going up to the door. I'm not your mother. Okay, we're going to drive by. Maybe we'll park. Maybe we'll walk around or whatever. But we're not. Okay, no one's knocking on any doors. I'm not going to walk around someone's house. It's not happening. It's not me. But I wanted to bring that around. Because when I was her age, I used to go to that house that my grandparents lived in and visit for extended periods of time. And we'd walk down to the liquor store and we'd buy wacky packages and then I'd ride around on my skateboard with my Coors, you know, muscle shirt on. So we followed the map on my phone and and like I say, it was literally straight ahead, a big block this way. And then I think one street north. And we got there and... I didn't know where we were. Obviously, across the street from my grandparents, which had been a foresty place and then a field, was now condos and houses. And my grandparents' house that was, you know, it's a it's a squat little ranch. It had always been very light-colored with red brick, you know, uh, planters around it, planters around the trees and these very specific trees out front that I I couldn't for the life of me tell you what they were. It was all painted dark greens and darker greens and someone had planted hedges all around the perimeter of the house. It's a corner lot. So from property line to the corner, And then from the corner to the driveway, five and a half foot, six foot tall bushes. Bushes that said, don't even think about it. Well, we went down the other street to show her the house where we lived, where I lived when I was a little baby. But it's been half a century. Almost. I couldn't tell if it was this house or that house. I'm pretty sure it was that house. But time has passed and it's not been kind to those homes. Because they're a half century old too. They were built during the 50s and 60s. When this was a much different place, it was a much different town. I think the ambitions were on the upswing. I'd wanted to go back. And I wanted to show my daughter my past. And you can kind of try to do that, but you can't really do it because the past is past. And that's why stories are so important. Right? I'm better off telling her the story of that house than trying to show her the house. Because as much as I romanticize the house and everything that happened in it and out back of it I mean that's where my parents wedding reception was it's where I'm sure it's the first place I ever went other than my own house in the hospital it's where we used to shoot off firecrackers and fireworks in the backyard and I'd watch my grandmother sit and weed those planters for hours in the California sun until my lungs were choking choking with 70s pollution. It was a slap in the face because the truth is 
that house isn't those memories. Those memories are those memories. I am those memories. And that house is just a box. Guarded by leaves. Sticking out of the dirt. Thank you for listening to The uh, Bitterest Pill. As always, uh, I do appreciate it. I do, I do. So uh, next week, I certainly assume, we will be talking about uh, a short film that I'm shooting. That I'm in. I'm not shooting it. It's not my film. It's someone else's film. Uh, I'm tempted to tell you about it right now, but there's nothing. It hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to wait till it happens. Okay. But I'm going to tease you with it, with this. Ready? And podcast listeners will appreciate this more than anyone. But the story will involve Kush, my friend Jenica Berger from Safety Not Guaranteed, and L.A. Law's Susan Rattan. The story is happening on Friday. I will tell you next week. So stay tuned. Thank you so much, my friend, for listening. I will talk at you later. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's tough.